Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's student ministry sermon. Wow, how are you guys doing? How was school today? Did everybody have a great time at school? I know I did. School was fun for me today. Woo! Tonight, uh, if you have a device or a Bible, I want you to uh, get prepared. So we're going to look at two uh, places in in the scriptures. We're going to look at Acts chapter 4, and we're going to look at James chapter 4. Hey, that's easy. You just have to remember one number. Chapter 4, Acts and James. We're going to start with the book of Acts. Uh, This Acts chapter 4, many of you may have gone through this story in your discipleship groups on Sunday nights. It's an incredible story where the, the disciples are uh, happening, doing what they always do. They're going to the temple and they happen upon and pass a man who's been uh, unable to walk for over 40 years. And as they're passing him, obviously he's just begging, he just wants some coin. You know, he just needs some money. So he's there. They're used to him being there. They see him uh, every time they go past. uh, Everybody who goes to the temple is used to it. And he asks them for money. And Peter in in chapter 3 says, man, I don't have any money. But what I have, I'll give you. I'll I'll give you what I have. And he says, stand up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ. And it causes this incredible ruckus. These people come running. Of course, he's pretty happy. So he's running around being excited. And Peter has an opportunity to share with his contemporaries, his people, the people that he goes to school with, who Jesus is. And he preaches. Oh, he preaches. And the people who own the temple do not like it. And that's where we start in Acts chapter 4. If you're looking there in Acts chapter 4, you'll see that the chief priests, the chief priest, the priests, and a sect called the Sadducees are very upset because Peter preached the resurrection in the name of Jesus. This is a big deal because if you did not know this, it's true that the resurrection from the dead, is central to your faith. What what is Christianity? Christianity is that God came to earth and made a way for you to come into His presence. The sacrifice on the cross was the penalty, and the resurrection after He was really dead, when He rose from the dead... That's the proof. Because nobody else has ever before that and has ever since risen from the dead. Okay, do you get that? The, re- the, the death on the cross is the, is the sacrifice. It's the thing. It's the, it's the penalty that was paid that allows you into God's presence. And it is so critical for you to understand that that was paid for all of your sins. Past present and future your slate is wiped clean 
And Jesus did that for us. And Peter was preaching it. And he not only preached that, but he said, and this Jesus did not just die on the cross, but he rose from the dead. And a whole bunch of people saw it. It was witnessed. And it's real. And that resurrection is the exclamation point on the sacrifice. It's the proof text. And so the resurrection of Jesus is really very important to your faith. And the leaders of the day did not appreciate that Peter would talk about the fact that a person can rise from the dead. They didn't like it at all. And so they arrested them and brought them before the council. And they said, man, we really don't like you talking like this. By whose name or authority have you done this? What? By whose name or authority? So Peter says, well, I'll answer the question. And as a matter of fact, we did this by the name and authority of Jesus Christ. And if I've been brought here today, and if I'm in trouble because I healed somebody, then you have problems. See, they're in a, they're in a tight spot here. Nobody who saw the healing happen is going to be lining up with these guys who want to arrest Peter and John. It's just not going to happen. And so Peter says, I'll tell you by whose name I live. And that's the question. I want to stop right there. And I want to ask you. By whose power and authority do you live every day? Would, and I don't want you to feel bad. I just want you to think. Would anyone ever even ask you that? You know? Is there occasion where someone might have to say, you're not allowed to talk about that in here. To you? Do we have that going on in our world? You better believe it. And I, I I want you young men and women to hear that it is absolutely right for you to live in the name of Jesus. It's absolutely right. Now, the world believes that because you live in his name, that you hate homosexuals. That's what the world believes. The world believes that because you live in the name of Jesus, there's certain people you won't associate with, and that maybe you own the power structure. But the reality is that because you live in the name of Jesus, the world for you is upside down. What would it look like if you lived, if you woke up every day in his name and walked in the name and the the power and and the truth of the resurrection of Jesus, what would that look like? It would look very different. And that's why we have to turn to James 4. So if you have your device or your Bible, please turn there. Now, I want to read it to you in what has become lately one of my favorite versions It's the message version. A lot of people don't like it. It's like reading a sermon, okay? The message is a a text version of the Bible where a guy 
went through and kind of helped us understand what it might mean. And sometimes he's right, and sometimes I don't necessarily agree with him. So when you read the message, you've got to understand it that way. It's not like a word-for-word translation of the original Greek. But sometimes it's really good, okay? So I want you to hear this in James chapter 4. We're going to start... Oops, go back to chapter... We're going to um, start with the first verse. Are you there? Here we go. Oops, I'm in Hebrews. Sorry, guys. That won't work. Here we go. The the title, the way that uh, the man who put the message together titled this chapter was Get Serious. And if you're going to live in the name of Jesus... James has a message for you and, 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 and two very important ways to live. And the first one is humility. And let's hear what he has to say about it. Listen to this. Where do you think that all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way. And you fight for it deep inside yourselves. Now wait, let me read it again. They come about because you want your own way. Listen, men and women, young people. Is that true of you? You want your own way and you fight for it deep inside. I love how he says deep inside because we often want our own way, but it doesn't look like we do, right? We know how to do that. You lust for what you don't have. And are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and you will risk violence to get your hands on it. You wouldn't think of asking God for things like this, would you? And why not? Because you know you'd be asking for what you have no right to. We are spoiled children, each wanting our own way. And when we act like this, we are cheating on God. If what you want is your own way and you flirt with the world every chance you get, you end up as an enemy of God and of God's way. And you don't think God cares about that? The proverb has it that he's a fiercely jealous lover. And what he gives in love is far better than anything else you'll find. It's common knowledge that God goes against the willful proud But God gives grace to the willing, humble. When you live in the name of Jesus, you live in humility. And there is no greater message today in our Instagram world for our teenagers than the message of humility. I don't know if we even know what humility is. Because We're all about this world of instant fame and how many likes and how many dislikes. I don't know how many comments. I found myself doing that. How many people? Oh, like four. Dang. Happens to me all the time. But isn't that true? I don't know if you know what humility is. And it certainly is thinking of others before yourself. Humility is a way of living that 
is more like what heaven will be like than what hell absolutely is. Hell is where everybody wants their own way, and you've experienced it. There, there is truly hell on earth. I remember going to Chicago and looking at a place called Blood Alley. It was formerly called Blood Alley until the Jesus people bought up all the buildings around it. But when it was called Blood Alley, there was prostitution, there was drug sales, there was murder, there was darkness, there was selfishness beyond compare. There were babies being aborted in the alley because the people that lived there cared only about themselves and they did not understand humility until the people of God showed up. And today, surrounding Blood Alley is a women's clinic where if you've been battered by your husband, you can go and be sheltered. There are apartments where if you don't have a job, you can have an address so that you can get a job. There there are places all around this alley because the people of God showed up in humility and they did not need to be in the public eye or on the news. All they needed was an opportunity to give of themselves to help others. Humility puts yourself last and the kingdom of God is upside down like that. And if you're going to live in the name of Jesus Christ, you walk And you live in humility and you think of others above yourself and you serve and that's how you live in the name of Jesus. And you know, this youth group would be powerful, I think, a lot. In fact, the last few nights that I've been here, I think, you know, there are more kids in here than there were in that upper room. More people in here than there were in that upper room after Jesus rose from the dead. And 2,000 years later, what they did and what they became because of their faith in Christ still resonates with us. It goes on living. And you, young men and women, can do that same thing. You must do it. You're the church. You are going to be the leaders of this place. The future church depends on you. But but not for you to yank hold of the reins and try to see if you can get yourself noticed. Instead, if you live in the name of Jesus, you live in humility. And the second thing, which is harder, and it is tied to it, comes in verses 7 through 10 of James chapter 4. Hopefully you're there looking. The message says, So let God work His will in you. Yell loud no to the devil and watch him scamper. Say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Quit dabbling in sin. Purify your inner life. Quit playing the field. Have you ever thought about that? You know, when you dabble in those habitual sins, have you ever thought about that as playing the field? You know what a person who's playing the field is doing? Is they're keeping their options open. I love what the missionary who stood on the stage the other day said when he said, I have no other option but to preach the gospel. And when you and I live every day continuing to dabble 
and to flirt with the world. We're just keeping our options open. Play in the field. Stop. Hit, hit bottom. Cry your eyes out. The fun and games are over. Get serious. Get really serious. Get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get on your feet. Man, I, I want you to live in the name of Jesus, and so humility is huge. Do you know what else he's saying there? Is confession is huge. If you're not a part of a discipleship group, this church offers opportunities for us to live in community together, to get in a little bit smaller groups, and maybe admit some of the things that we're going through and struggling with to a group of people that we can trust. But we always have to say to a group of people that we can trust, why do we have to say that? Because we really don't want anyone else to know that we're sinful, right? The truth is, if you stood up tonight in this place and you said, I'm a liar, it might make the rest of us feel at home. I'm a liar. I told Larry about this the other night. I'm at the softball field. Claire Mitchell never asks me to do anything with her. She is so nice. And she said this week, can we go, will you hit me some balls to third? I want to practice my throw. I want to, you know, practice the infield. And I was like, yeah, I will do that. And I made sure it happened. And she made sure it happened. She called me even and reminded me. Not that I needed it. And we go out to the field. And sure enough, we've hit like two balls. And this man walks up. And his car won't start. And he says, do you have jumper cables? And I said... I don't. Look at me. I have jumper cables. You know what I mean? I'm prepared. So I lied to him, and I rationalized it to my daughter because I said, I never do this. This isn't right. And I traded, I traded my integrity. And what was I afraid Claire would see, right? Like, wouldn't, would it not have been better to say, yes, I do. Claire, let's go help this man. She's not the center of the world. I love you, though. But she's not, and neither am I. Right? And the people of God who live in the name of God could do what God has said he's already done. He has disarmed the power of sin. It's powerless. So you don't have to rationalize that your sin is how you were born, you can just say, I'm a sinner. You can say, I did this. I am this. I am a liar. I choose my kids over the kingdom sometimes. And it's wrong. And when we admit it, that we're sinful, we're reminded that we need God. And we can begin to appropriately look at sin. If we can't talk about sin, don't we give it quite a bit of power? Ooh, what if someone finds out? Oh, that's what we do, right? What if someone found out? I'll tell you what if 
Jesus found out you'd be completely and utterly forgiven. Past, present, future. And you could move on. You could move on from dabbling in your sin and being enslaved by it, and you could move on into a life of freedom from sin and, and of concentrating and focusing on the kingdom of God and walking in humility and serving others with a pure heart and out of kindness and love. Wow, would that be powerful. This youth group can absolutely do that. And it doesn't have to wait till next week or the next time that someone's really good at speaking or whatever. Or maybe the music goes way up here and you're like, Whoa! you don't even have to wait for those things. You can literally right now act and live in the name of Jesus. You're welcome to do it. You're not too young. You're ready right now. Please, tomorrow morning. No, no. Right now. Figure out what it means to live in his name. Humility. Confession. Connection. You know, I got to quit, but I want to also say... That this kind of life, this life of God in, in Jesus, you're not alone in it. Christians are sitting on a powder keg of, of power in the Spirit of God. You, as a Christian, have God's Spirit in you. Untapped many, much of the time. Because you're playing the field. And he's not interested. You know, think about it. If you had a relationship like that, how much would you put into it? If someone's not committing, if they're not even looking at you. Right? So you're sitting on this powder keg of power. It's so powerful that if you, f if you follow out that story in Acts chapter 4, where they tell the Pharisees, no, they tell the chief priests and the Sadducees, hey, there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And then when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they were astonished and took note. These men had been with Jesus, and they, they went back, they, they were told, don't go back in there and preach in this name. You know, it messes up our economy. Uh, you know, people are going to start going out from the temple, which is, you know, where everyone gets their job applications and they pay their taxes. So it would really mess up our social order if you keep preaching like this. And where do you find them the next day? Preaching and living in the name of Jesus. Right back in front of those men. And they were arrested again, put in jail again. And an angel of the Lord came and opened the doors, walked them out, where the next morning they were preaching the name and living in the name and under the authority of Jesus again. Do not settle. Wake up every morning and say, I'm going to live in the name of Jesus today, and I need Jesus for that. And humble yourself before him. Seek his presence. Read. Pour over his words like they matter. 
read your scriptures. Don't let people get up on stage and read it for you. You get in your scriptures and you read them and you be prayerful and you humble yourself before God. And if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. And when you're in Christ and in God, I don't even want to try to guess what he'll do and what he can do and what will happen in our lives and in this youth ministry. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We are honored um, to gather in your name tonight to think about your word and the stories of the early Christians and the message of James. And God, open our hearts. Help us to not be afraid of confession and of humbling ourselves. And I pray, God, that this would become a way of life for all of us. And like I pray every night with my son, make us, make us better. Make us conformed to your will. Help us to care about the things that you care about, Father. We love you and we're committed, man. We want to be all in. Help. We don't want to play or flirt with the world anymore. We're all in. We're yours. And it's in your name that I pray, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to a student ministry sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about the student ministry or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.